Welcome to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, the first podcast to focus on the political side of pharmacy. Here's your host, Eric Geyer. Welcome, Political Pharmacist Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Eric Geyer, and with me today, I have guest Murdad Hariri. He is a CEO and president of Pharmacy Services Groups. They have a lot of technology solutions for pharmacies that we're going to talk about today. Uh, he's also a graduate from the University of Toledo, so just like I am, go Rockets. And welcome to the podcast, Murdad. Thank you, Eric. Nice to be here. Hey, thanks for coming on. And also, thanks for what you do with a lot of your pharmacy uh, work and technology stuff. It's really kind of cool. And it's why I wanted you on the podcast today, because previously you actually owned an independent pharmacy and you had several visions that you kind of wanted to chase to help other people with pharmacy, specifically the smaller operations, the smaller chains or smaller independent pharmacies to kind of better compete with some of the bigger guys and some of the logistics that, that they have that work to their advantage. Can you kind of talk about how your vision for some of these innovative technology programs for pharmacy kind of came to be? Yes, yeah, certainly. Like Basically, uh, my career, just like most pharmacists, started from a, a big box stores. I worked for a big chain. And in the early... Uh, uh, 90s, uh, I decided that I wanted to open up my own store, which I opened up my first store in, in 1994. Even though things were a little different back then, not like today, uh, there wasn't, there weren't any DIR fees or anything else. It was still tough, and we were struggling to get by, especially the first couple of years. And it wasn't until late 90s that as the, uh, my business started growing, I started uh, creating a program, a very unique program. We called it Zubex, spelled X-U-B-E-X, which uh, we provided patient assistance program for pharmacies before patients. We started that uh, program locally, and just within a year or two, it started growing like wildfire. I mean, I started getting calls not from local areas, and we're in Orlando, Florida, but we started getting calls from... Miami, Tampa, Gainesville, and by early, like 2002 or three, we were getting calls from just about every state asking us if we could help them with a patient assistance program with uh, medications. And we grew the business and by 2008, actually we were licensed in all 50 states. And actually my company was really, was mentioned in an article about affordability in, on Wall Street Journal in uh, October issue of 2008. So this is how we started. As the things got, the business of pharmacy changed uh, in where we're at today, where, you know, DIR fees, regulatories, and everything else that a typical pharmacy faces on a daily basis, it was really getting harder because of having all these fees and especially regulatory. And you can just imagine being licensed in all 50 states and you had to be, you know, compliant with every state and NABP and everything else, the cost was getting such a huge amount that, and especially the DIR fees, is at the point when I saw the, my DIR fees in 2016, I decided that this is not going to work and uh, we better start uh, thinking of doing something else. So by late uh, November of 2016, I sold my stores to another mom and pop pharmacy. Uh, specialty pharmacy, rather than a larger operation. And I decided to create my own uh, company and kind of bring those platforms or solutions that we use that helped us propel our company and help us grow our business. It mainly involved technology. So this is how we really, how I got into, you know, going from 
uh, multi-store owner to a, a company or creating a company that would want to help independent pharmacies and help them grow their business. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cool story to tell there just because you obviously had a successful business and then you started hitting some headwinds, which right now is has only gotten worse. And a lot of a lot of independents have been closing and it's been something that's been an ongoing trend in pharmacy. But there are ones out there who are out there crushing it. And what you're doing is taking all those years of experience you had, about, what, 10 or 15 years, and really trying to use your expertise to make it better for them so they can help their patients, which I think is not only amazing, but also just a noble cause because you want to kind of still be in pharmacy, but you want to make it better, not just the same old pharmacies. So that's that's really awesome. Sure. I mean, you know, I, I speak to a bunch of pharmacies on probably on a weekly basis, and every day I see the same thing. You know, I hear the same story. Hey, we're not going to make it. This is crazy. My DIR fees are below cost medication, clawbacks, you know, this, that, limited network participation. And so this is what the community pharmacies are facing right now. And that's why I wanted to bring that experience that I had and help these pharmacies in a very inexpensive way and a smart way grow their business. And and while people might say, hey, why do I have you on a politics podcast? This isn't really politics per se, but this relates because it's helping what is an ongoing trend of some of the games that are happening in pharmacy. And eventually politics does come into some of those regulations and steps. And you kind of have some some solutions for those. One of them that you had was Rx Reach. Can you kind of talk about Rx Reach for a, a few minutes? Sure. Rx Reach is basically a, a secure communication platform that is custom to the pharmacy. I know there's lots of communication platforms that are out there. They all basically do the same thing. But Rx Reach is not just a uh, one-size-fits-all type uh, platform or solution for pharmacies. You can customize it in any way you want. You can create messages. You can send voice. You can send email. You can send faxes. You can send SMS, MMS. And we're actually working on a video version that the pharmacies are able to actually speak to a to their patient uh, with a video chat online. So we're excited about it because these days it's all about communication with the patient. And if it's just a pharmacy, they fill prescriptions and they go home, there's no other mode of communication with the patient. Well, this is your chance to be able to connect to these patients because especially like in the case of text messaging, text messages are usually open within three minutes. Where, you know, if you send an email, you know, it may not get opened uh, for a few hours. So a text message is a very effective way to reach your patient. Now, you could create this uh, in a way to reduce your DIR fees. And you could do that by uh, creating uh, reminders. So you could actually create a custom reminders for your patient. So if a patient takes a medication four times a day, you can have that uh, message go out four times a day saying, you know, it's time to take your medication, morning medication, noon medication, and so on and so forth. If you are given COVID vaccines, for example, uh, you could notify all your patients that you do have the COVID vaccine. You could uh, create external links to be able to uh, schedule those vaccinations so that when they come in the store, they, they have a scheduled time. Uh, you could uh, promote your you know, other services such as packaging. You could, like for diabetes, they've taken insulin and they need to be reminded to take their medication, to take, use their insulin or to check their blood sugar. Or in certain cases, uh, if a medication is taken on a weekly basis, 
I used to take a medication that I, that I used to take like once a week. And sometimes I said, oh, man, it's uh, Friday. I forgot to take my medication that I was supposed to take on Thursday. You know, so I take it as soon as possible. But this way you can schedule this so that every seven days the patient would get a message saying it's time to take your medication. And one of the best features that we have uh, with uh, Rx3 is that we have partnered with eHealth, which is a uh, online market uh, for Medicare Part D, Medicare Advantage, and Medicare supplements. And using our uh, platform, uh, you're able to shop or compare plans for on Medicare Part D plans for your patients and be able to show them the cost difference, show them what the medication costs, how much your out-of-pocket is going to be, and you could actually guide your patient in getting that plan that might be, if you will, pharmacy-friendly, if you will, right. so that you know you will not lose a lot of fees when it comes to DIR fees and so on. And the patient's happy because the doctor's covered, the drugs will be covered because you could get specific with all the medications. And if the patient would like to enroll in that program, they could actually enroll, uh, you can help them uh, or assist them in enrolling in that plan uh, right from your link that we provide you. So it's a pretty good system and we're proud of it. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to help uh, uh, lots of folks and yeah. that's what, what, what RX Reach is about. Yeah. I think it's really cool because text messaging has been a huge societal shift in basically every aspect that we have uh, of just the world, not to mention pharmacy, but we've also seen where pharmacies have really been ramping up these sort of text messaging services. And the one good thing about them is most older people do have cell phones, even if they aren't technologically savvy enough to get on the internet and follow things like that. But if you include a link, that just makes it where they push a button and they can go punch it all right in. So it's really, really neat, really a good way to kind of help set them up for success when it comes to their healthcare. And the fact that you do this with RX Reach, where it helps people remind them when they take their medication, I think is really cool and something that we're not seeing in a lot of the, some of the bigger players as much. We can see some kind of like push button alerts that are in an app and things like that. But the text message really kind of, for lack of a better term, dumbs it down and makes it easy. So they just pop it up on their phone. And like you said, those are usually right within a few minutes as opposed to an email or other notifications that might get blocked or overlooked or not open for hours on end. So I think that's really cool. One kind of interesting thing I want to know is when you walked in a pharmacy, especially a mom and pop one and said, Hey, we're going to let people text message you. What was the response you saw to that? Like initially? Well, it was actually, uh, we used this in our pharmacies and the response was great because uh, we actually created, we, I mean, we had a pretty large operation and we were doing anywhere from two to 300 uh, reminders per day, you know, oh, wow. and out of the two to 300 that we sent on a daily basis, I think our response rate back was actually, cause it's a two way communication. So they can actually text you back and ask questions and you can ask them questions just on a text messaging. So uh, I think the response rate and most of these were almost like 25%, which is really not bad. I mean, yeah. thinking that you send out 100 messages and you get 25 people responding back or actually connecting back to the pharmacy, asking them, okay, what medication am I do? Which medication should I take? And so on and so forth. And at that point, it could be connected to a pharmacist and the pharmacist can review and if needs to be, you know, might be a phone conversation. We do have a voice module that say works the same way. And actually a, a voice message would go out and the patient has an option to be connected back to the pharmacy. So when they say press one, 
they go back to the pharmacy and the pharmacy picks up the phone and uh, they can continue the conversation of what they want to talk about, you know, whether it be refills or availability or what have you. So this this is a big thing. I mean, you know, it's pharmacies, a lot of the mom and pops, I know there's, like, as, as I mentioned, there are lots of these SMS messaging services, even not for pharmacies, even for, uh, I go to my dry cleaners, they send me a text message saying your laundry's ready. You go to a store waiting for something, you get a text message. You go to doctor, you get a text message from your doctor's office saying you're due for tomorrow for an appointment. So text messaging is very important. And most pharmacies are not really using the full potentials of these type of text messaging that's available to them. Yeah. Okay. And what I mean by that is some of the systems that I mentioned, I mean, yeah, I mean, you fill a prescription, automatically sends a text out to the patient saying your prescription's ready. And the patient says, okay, my medication's ready. But is there any other thing that you can do with that? Okay, and this is something that, especially when it comes to like specialty medications or type of medications you want to hear back from the customer, again, you could create a lot of different scenarios for this application, uh, reminders and we try to educate our pharmacists that tell your patients that, hey, you know, like let's say if you have a elderly in a family and they forget to take their medication and everybody's out of the house working or, and you don't know if mom or dad took the medications, you could create a call or a text message said eight o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock or four o'clock or eight o'clock at night, be able to get a call or a text message saying, hey, it's time to take your morning medication. And then they can respond back saying yes or press one if you took it, no if you didn't take it. And you could actually be collecting these type of data to make sure that the patient is taking their medication. And that's important. That's very important. And I know compliance has been a big thing with pharmacies. And, yeah. you know, the PBMs try to push you into making sure that you're always, your patients are compliant, taking their medication, refill reminders. 90-day supply, and so on and so forth. So that's why we think RX Reach will be a, a, a great resource for mom and pop. And best of all, it's not very expensive at all. You only pay for what you use. So you, yeah, you can make it tailored to what you need. So if you want a patient who's on a, a medication that might have a lot of DIR fees and they're not taking it right, you could say, hey, let's set you up for this. I'll pay a little bit out of pocket for it, but it's going to help you take it right. And then I'm, I become Certainly. more whole on the back end. Certainly. Actually, uh, we have a pharmacy that he was charging uh, a customer $4.95 a month to send reminders. Because, hey, if you're going to send a message out three or four times a day, it's going to cost you a little bit of money, maybe, you know, a buck or two on a monthly basis to get these messages out to your patients. So basically what he was doing is that he was actually created a very custom reminder program for this patient. And then you could be charging a, you know, a, a client, say, four ninety five a month, and we'll send you reminders to make sure that you are taking your medication at the right time. Yeah. So, so that's, a, that's a big thing. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense, too. So that way you're kind of made whole all around with it and not just doing it, uh, just not doing it because you have a big heart, basically. You're doing it to kind of also help provide a service that you're breaking even on at the very least. So I think that's even really if cool. you're not charging, I mean, just like you mentioned, you know, keeping that patient compliant, you know, like you said, if you got a patient that's not being compliant, they're not always the 30 days worth of medications, you know, lasting them 45 days or something, well, 
this may be a tool that you can have, you actually use that to reduce your DIR fee because that customer is going to have a negative effect on your rating and so on and so forth. So it kind of works both ways. You know, you can charge or not charge. It all depends on the style of uh, business you're running and uh, how much you want to be involved with your patient care. Yeah, no, I think that's huge. And, you know, obviously you said having videos could be huge when it comes to some of these specialty meds, something like insulin or some of these injection medications or even inhalers mm-hmm. where maybe if you utilize that service for some of these really high-end expensive meds you want to be used right, that can be important too. And especially when we look at the price of, I mean, some of these inhalers are three, four, five hundred dollars $500 sometimes <laughs> every single month. And I don't know what the DIR fees, because I don't deal with that where I work as much, but I'm sure they can be pretty substantial if someone yeah. wasn't taking it right, never mind the health outcomes. So it kind of behooves everybody that, you know, we should be able to bill, I would think like a PBM service or something like that for doing this, but another yeah. line, we should be able to use this, or maybe that's where your $5 fee comes in because you want to be able to have the access to video to help make sure people are using their medications, right? Correct. Well, you mentioned a very good point. With our system, there are lots of videos. For example, I'm not sure if you've seen some of the newest inhalers. Even a pharmacist can't figure out how to use it, correct? <laughs> I, I, I've run into that <laughs> once or twice. Yeah. So, I mean, let alone an a 80-year-old lady that's trying to figure out which way it goes in the mouth, which way the medication coming out of. So it becomes a challenge. Luckily, the manufacturers have these videos, instructional videos or pamphlets and things like that. And again, if a patient is confused, you know, you could download these uh, videos and be able to actually send them to these uh, clients to be able to, uh, you know, say, uh, let's say if a customer calls and says, well, I got this for me. Spreva, Spreva, thank you. And customer calls and says, how do I use this? You know, I've got this and this thing here is just not working. Well, you know, what you could do is you could save some of these videos or download these videos on your desktop and be able to create a link and send that to your clients using a, a text messaging. Because with our system, you could, it's not just SMS, it's MMS. So you could send pictures, you could send videos. We'd be more happy to show some of these pharmacies how to create the, if they're not too technically savvy, that we can show them how to do this. So basically create a short link and you would put that in the text message that goes out for insulin, whether it be the uh, insulin, whether it be inhaler. So yeah, I mean, what you just mentioned is actually, it's something that we have thought of. It's going to help a pharmacist on a daily basis, helping their patients stay more compliant and be able to use the medication correctly. Yeah. We got one more we're going to talk about on on this episode. We are going to do a follow-up episode. So if you're listening, please look out. We're going to do two episodes uh, for some of these technology companies that uh, Murdad has uh, put out here. The next one is Bona RX. Can you explain? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a discount program, but how it's different than, say, the normal, like, dirty word in pharmacy of a discount card? <laughs> right. Well, we actually created this program uh, back in 2008 at our pharmacy before Good RX. And I know Bona means good and RX is RX. So it's kind of like Good RX in Latin, if you want to call it that. <laughs> the minute you mention Good RX or Bona RX or discount cards or any kind of cards to a pharmacist, they kind of like, you know, they're like, uh-uh, I'm not interested. 
Yeah. What they're missing on this is there were always been discount cards for the last 20 years, and they've been used in certain cases and places and things like that. It wasn't until GoodRx kind of came about, and it was in 2011. I'm not sure how much you know or people, listeners might be known about GoodRx, but GoodRx is not really GoodRx. It's a combination of about 10 to 15 different cards. When you go to GoodRx, they basically search the lowest cost of the medication with different cards, and... They even have a different type of a pricing for, you know, they work with PBMs. They work with OptumRx, Express Script, uh, CVS Caremark, and uh, different other companies. So basically, they promote that card. Some chain pharmacies or grocery stores actually partner with the GoodRx because they could actually go, for example, to a PBM and say, we want to have our discount card. This is the price we want to charge, and they put it on GoodRx card. So when you go to look up Lipitor and you see GoodRx card, you see Lipitor, it's going to say at your grocery store A, it's $8. And then at CVS, for example, or Walgreens or Walmart or anybody else, it's $13, $20, or what have you. The reason is that uh, they actually work with the GoodRx card to you know have the lowest cost. And of course, if you see the lowest cost, most likely you're going to go to that store and they use their own BIN and PCN number and group number to be able to identify these patients. And GoodRx basically charges that company a set amount of what's called an admin fee, okay, which to provide these type of service to that company. So what we have done and just throughout the last, say, eight or nine years, you know, GoodRx has changed and they work with larger chains. They're collecting these type of data. And these type of data, we are a data-driven society now. So everything we do yeah. revolves around data. Yep. Okay? Data is important. One thing that the PBMs, I mean, you voluntarily give the uh, information. When you, whenever you process a claim for, a, you know, Mrs. Jones, you voluntarily given all the information, Mrs. Jones, address, phone number, age, medication, the whole thing to the PBM, they have all that data. They know exactly who she is, where she goes, what she got, which doctor, and so on and so forth. What they didn't know is that statistically across the country, about 20%, 50 to 20% of all prescriptions are being paid out of pocket as cash. And also, in some instances, when an employer who, for example, enrolls, say, with PBM to provide their services to their employees. Employer may say, well, you know, I don't want Viagra to be covered. I don't want certain drugs, specialty drugs to be covered and everything else. But I do want them to, when they go to a pharmacy and the pharmacist processes the claim, for it to come back as like a discounted price. So when you go to a regular pharmacy and you pay your $10 copay and then the next day you go in for, say, for Viagra, for example, pharmacy says $43. They say, well, I'm supposed to pay only $10. Well, actually, you're using the discount portion of your card rather than the medical benefit or the prescription benefits of the card. So what's happening in this here is all that cash business that larger chains didn't know where these, who these customers are. And typically, you make more money on a cash customer than you do on a somebody who has insurance. So they wanted to make sure, number one, to bring their customers 
to bring more customers into their stores. Number two, be able to capture that higher, uh, more profitable clients because they're paying cash. And the, the other thing is to uh, promote other services that they have in their stores. Yeah. So by using this type of data, they actually collect these data from GoodRx or Single Care or OptumRx or so on and so forth. They collect these type of data. They use the data to drive more customers to your pharmacy. What type of data do they get? Well, I mean, you know, uh, if you ever wonder why across the street CVS has calcium for 99 cents, it's because they have done a report and they've seen that there are 50,000 people taking some kind of osteoporosis medication and they have to take calcium. So, of course, they try to you know, undercut the price or, you know, sell it at a loss or something to get those people in the door. So this is how they use the data to drive more clients in to their store. Without customer knowing, they walk into a CVS, they may be approached by a pharmacist saying, hey, you know, we have a program that you could lower your cost of medication or here's a $25 voucher for transfer prescription or whatever to get those customers to their store, just whatever approach that they have. What we've done with BonaRx is we have kind of turned the table around. We provide a custom medication savings card for pharmacies. And what that is is that we put your logo, we put a QR code on your card, we give your card the group number that is exclusive to you. You could create as many groups as you like. So for instance, you could create a card for your doctors in your area with different group numbers. Just like the same thing, if you've noticed what good RX cards, uh, if you go to doctor's offices, their group numbers are different. If you go online, print a card, the group number is different. And this is how they identify, you know, where the card or the, where the source of this card is. So we provide you all that, plus we give you a backend, which you'll be able to take a look at these type of data. We upload the data on a daily basis, and you'll be able to look at your dispensing data and use the data to uh, pinpoint exactly those people that, or identify people, not identify because we can't, we don't provide the patient-specific right. information. HIPAA, 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 yeah, no HIPAA information, got it. Right, but I mean, there's still lots of information. I mean, if you know someone in a you know, certain zip code went to a CVS, for instance, or Publix or whatever, and they got certain medication and what they cost was, what they paid, all that data could be used in many different ways to actually identify those patients. And, you know, there's lots of ways that you could uh, bring in, you know, use that data to bring in your more cash customers to your pharmacy. And that's what most pharmacies that I see are lacking is that some of these pharmacies that I've seen, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they're running at 90, 95% uh, third party and there's not hardly any cash customers walking in. Where statistically or nationally, that should be a lot higher. It should be 15 to 20%. And I see a lot of them are doing only about 5 or 10% maybe if they're lucky. So this could be a big factor, you know. So it's a way to basically help drive in business, but also help the patient kind of drive their costs down and things like that too. So it's, again, a win-win for people on both ends of it. Sure. I mean, the savings are like everything else. Basically, it's uh, you can save up to 80%. I've seen something that's like 95% of some yeah, yeah. maybe less expensive generics. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it definitely saves the patients uh, up to 85%. And the nice thing about the 
one RX is that whenever these cards are used at any pharmacy nationwide, because we're approved with all PSAOs and we're approved uh, at all major chain, pretty much at over almost 70,000 pharmacies, whenever the card is used, we actually pay the pharmacy a $1.50 in admin fee. Okay, so not only when these cards are used, whether it be at your store or outside of your store, you're getting back a dollar fifty, plus you're getting the data on the back end that can help you grow your business. And we also provide uh, what's called an intelligent report because we know that a lot of these reports are available in PDF or Excel or CSV or HTML format, and we know not everybody's an expert, so. We can create, we create these type of reports called intelligent report that kind of puts everything graphically, charts and graphs and things that just by looking at it, you can identify your hottest zip codes, you can identify your top doctors, you can identify top therapeutic class of drugs that was used. You can identify like medications that have, you know, coupons and vouchers available to them, be able to uh, hopefully use the online coupons, which some of them can be used for uh, cash customers to reduce their out-of-pocket costs, and this is what it's all about. So you're making money at $1.50 here, and you get the data, and the data we provide you all the reporting and everything, all the tools you need. Plus, we give you a uh, uh, have a very neat system where we actually give you a, uh, a URL for your website, a custom URL for your website. So you will get a URL with your logo that you could put on your website, call it RX Savings, and when they click on it, customers won't even know that they left your website, but they you go to our website that we provide you, and from there, patients can look up prices. They can download cards. They can save it on their phone. They can request the card. They can print one online, and they can also share them on the Facebook or Twitter, just right from that site. So the nice thing about it is that, let's say, if you put these cards on your social media, you ask your customers and you say you have 200 followers, you ask everybody, hey, if you share your our cards on your social media, we'll give you, you know, $2 off your next prescription or free bottle of aspirin or something like that. You know, if each one of those people have 200 followers or that they follow or they, you know, they have followers or whatever, 200 people times 200 other people, before you know it, you got 40,000 people looking at your card, right? Yeah. A lot of these customers could be cash-paying customers, and they could be going to any pharmacy. That's is how you can benefit. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool idea. It kind of flips the way the pharmacy discount card is working to kind of make it advantageous more for the little guy instead of the uh, the PBM middleman so much. So I think that's a really cool idea, and something that's probably long overdue considering how much those cards have spread and how almost they're like a four-letter word now in pharmacies because they get brought up so much. So <laughs> I think that's really cool that you did that. So that's that's a really awesome way to really help yeah. fight someone like CVS or some of these bigger the PBMs that are also at it's, pharmacies. Today's business, it's all about data. You know, if and, you don't have data, you have your internal data, and you say, oh, my pharmacy software management team, my PMS gives me my reports. Well, yeah, but how often do you look at it? And do you really, does it really provide? But whatever data it gives you, it's from, what you already dispense and you already know of, you don't know what's going on outside of your store. Yeah, data is useless you if, you, if you don't know how to use it. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, can you imagine if you, uh, like in our over eight years of doing it at our store, I mean, we were getting anywhere from seven to 10,000 10, claims per month. Wow. And when you think about that type of data, 
And we actually have a pharmacy in the U.S. Actually, they've been with us for about two or three years, about two years, close to two years. And they're doing over 5,000 claims. We have a chain of uh, independent pharmacies. They do about 1,800 claims per month. Now, can you imagine, for example, in the case of us getting anywhere from seven to 10,000 type of data they can bring into you? Like, for instance, we were using that when we were had uh, our mail order for patient assistance. We know that the patient was getting these medications from us because they get it for free or they get it for $5 or whatever. But we knew that if you're a diabetic, you're getting your, say, glyphosate from us. He's probably taking other medication, but where is he going? What is he getting? Right. And this is what kind of started this whole program was that we wanted to get more information about the patient. Where did he go? Can you imagine if you're getting seven to 10,000 claims per month and all that data? After eight years, if you were to ask me, for example, who's the number one prescriber of Viagra, because those are not usually covered on insurance, mm-hmm. well, you got the data. I could tell you that Dr. XYZ prescribed 5,000 Viagras in the last eight years, right? Yeah. How good of a information is that? Why don't you go talk to that doctor? Tell that doctor that, hey, you know, we're selling it for 25 cents a pill or whatever, or we package it, you know, or we deliver it or we, or whatever. Yeah. And that can also so, help unlock, um, a, that can also help unlock a lot of trends. Like if you're seeing somebody who's say like a endocrinologist using diabetic meds, but he's really not giving them ACE inhibitors like they need to be. You can then reach out and say, Hey, we got to get these on ACE inhibitors. Here's why, here's the guidelines. Here's how it affects both of our reimbursements and their health. And you can kind of make a big shift change when you have some of the data like that, which I think is, is really cool. So I'm, I'm glad you went ahead and did this. You can, yeah. I mean, you can use the data however you want. Like you mentioned a good thing. If you, whether you're not taking an ACE inhibitor and you're on cholesterol medication or you're not taking Coenzyme Q10. But the thing is that we don't know these patients. Uh, We don't know who they are. Yeah. uh, there was an article in last year in 2020 on in Consumer Report that talked about GoodRx and how they actually, you know, whenever you go to GoodRx card or you go to GoodRx website or whatever, they actually harvest your data, yep. you know, that's available to them from their IP and everything else. So it's not really that your information is not safe. Of course, we don't sell these information to nobody. The information is only given back to the pharmacy to use to grow their business. That's what it's all about. So we don't, GoodRx sells it to everybody and anybody that wants to market anything. Yeah, We and, don't. We just give it back to the pharmacy. You know? And giving it to someone like GoodRx, which is a multi-billion dollar company, when it, I think it launched its IPO this year, they're like they're going to sell anywhere they can because they can make money off it. But at least if you're giving it to the local pharmacy, it's somebody who can hopefully use it to impact your health in a positive manner. And there's all sorts of legal ways we have as pharmacists that we're allowed to kind of uh, work with people and kind of like know the boundaries of what we're allowed to use and say, whereas GoodRx really isn't. So to me, this is kind of shifting the power towards, obviously I'm a little biased, towards more of the good guys as opposed to some of the, the bad actors in it. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, if you, I don't know if during the launch of their uh, stock uh, option going public with uh, GoodRx, I don't know if you looked at their data, their cards are being used 4.2 million times every day, seven days a week. Yeah. It's it's nuts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, when you compare that to number of prescriptions that are processed on a daily basis and billions of prescriptions every year, and how this good RX plays, I yeah. mean, uh, in 2020, I mean, they made 
almost no less than six hundred billion dollars in revenue. Almost a, I'm sorry, million dollars. So almost almost half a call it a half a billion dollars yeah. in revenue. I mean half a billion dollars. I mean that's crazy, isn't that, it? That just shows <laughs> that know? if the product is free, you're the product, not what you're actually using. So uh, yeah, yeah. So I want to kind of wrap this one up here. Uh, we're going to do a second episode because you've got a few other awesome things to talk about. I want to make sure I hit them all. I will include some links for these websites and uh, article you were featuring with RX Insider into the show notes for the listeners. So make sure you check that out. Like I said, we're going to do a second episode to cover some more things. But I want to, before I wrap this one up, ask you some of the questions I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. But I'm going to only ask you one, and I'm going to ask you one the next time. If you could change one thing about pharmacy, not a law, just one thing, what would you change? Well, one of the biggest things that I see with giving the pharmacist uh, a provider status. I mean, that's something that as a pharmacist, we have uh, lots of knowledge. We have lots of good information about healthcare, about, you know, uh, you know, vaccination, about diabetes, about COPDs and things like that. And we could be using this in a way to take better care of the patient. And only if we were given a provider status where we have an incentive. You know, one thing that ever since I've got into pharmacy business was we are basically getting paid for dispensing 30 pills in the bottle, okay? Yeah. And we were basically a merchant rather than a healthcare provider. But I think giving us a provider status so we'd be able to use these clinical skills to be able to really show people what being a pharmacist is all about. Because, you know, when I talk to some of my friends, especially younger ones, uh, they think a pharmacist is just basically count pills. They don't yep. do anything else back there, you know? <laughs> yeah, a lot so of people have that perception. <laughs> right. So now if, I, if I'm giving COVID vaccines, if I'm vaccinating them, if I'm taking care of their diabetes, if I'm going more hands-on, you know, showing them how to control their blood pressure, how to monitor their COPD, how to reduce, you know, this, that. I think that's the one thing that I would really uh, be honed on, you know, just, because we should be getting paid for our clinical skills, and we're not. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. We've had, uh, or she is the president of APHA, uh, Sandra Leal on here, and she was a huge proponent mm-hmm. of that. And ironically, as was her daughter, who's a type 1 diabetic, who was on previously. So a lot of people are thinking that. We're hoping to see that sh- that shift soon. So that's kind of, I hope we do see that like you yeah. were saying. So, hey, uh, Murdad. I hope so, yeah. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Listeners, please check out the show notes. And we're going to have a second second one on here as well so that that way we can kind of talk about all the things he's doing because he's got a lot of cool innovations going on in pharmacy. So thanks again, Murdad. Happy to be here. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. And as always, listeners, thanks for listening to the Political Pharmacist Podcast, your prescription for pharmacy and politics.